0: If you would meet me in Hebrews the second chapter and I'm going to commence this reading in verse 5 we want to thank brother Leonard for an excellent job tonight as always he is so thoughtful and we appreciate the unique giftedness that he has Um, All of these preachers, I'm so glad to see the plethora of gifts that have mounted the pulpit this week. We have certainly uh, been blessed by the presentations. Just want to go to school for just a few minutes and I'm just about done. Verse five. He did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angel." You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. Watch this But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see Jesus. All right, let me let me show you something one more time. Look at verse eight. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. That's man. But now problem we do not yet see all things subjected to him solution but we do see Jesus who was made for a little while lower than the angels namely Jesus because of the suffering of death crowned with glory And honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. I have been assigned the subject. And if I modify it slightly, it's still the same subject. Thank God for the man, Christ Jesus. Thank God for the man, Christ Jesus. Much has been already said about the book of Hebrews. If you would look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter in verse 22, the book describes itself or the author describes his message as a word of exhortation. When he describes his words as a word of exhortation, it would suggest that the book of Hebrews is a word to encourage those who were in danger of falling back into the Judaistic system. They were already experiencing a sense of persecution with the full-blown persecution yet to come. Yet we find that the Hebrew writer places within a soteriological framework a high view of Jesus Christ as it relates to being a lawgiver that is better than the lawgiver of the Old Testament. I want to suggest to you that as you're looking at the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews uh, draws a strong Christological picture of Christ to help the recipients understand that there is nothing better than Christ. And to go back into Judaism would be going from the better to the lesser. So he helps them to understand why go back into Judaism when anything or everything about Christ Jesus is better than what you came out of. So we find that the Hebrew writer gives us a comparative and contrastive analysis of Jesus Christ demonstrating that he's better than the prophets and that he's better than the angels. The reason it must be articulated that he's better than the angels is because Galatians 3 19 teaches that the law was ordained by angels. Now if the law was ordained by angels it needs to be conveyed that Christ is better than the angels and has provided a better covenant. Jesus is superior to every aspect of the Old Testament system. So he begins the chapter by giving a comparative and contrastive analysis of why Jesus is superior. God who in St times and in diverse manner speaking time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sin sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high what is he arguing from this perspective you don't know a prophet that's the brightness of his glory you don't know a prophet who is the radiance of everything that God is you don't know a prophet that purged our sin and you don't know a prophet that sat down on the right hand of God but he's not just better than the prophets he's better than the angels for he hath obtained a more excellent name than they for unto which of the angels saith he at any time thou art my son this day have I begotten thee and again I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son and again when he bringeth the first begotten into the world he said that all the angels of God worship him and of his angels he saith who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers of flaming fire but under the sun he saith thy throne O God is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom what are you arguing he's better than the prophets and he's better than the angels why go back to the Judaistic system when everything you have is in fact superior now you may not be in danger of going back to the law but we are in danger of going back to some other things and I need you to know that there's nothing better than the Jesus that has come into your life and you need to take a strong position that I'm going to stay with Christ Jesus because there's nothing better than what Christ Jesus has offered. Now after he goes through this argumentation that he's better than the angels and better than the prophets we run into the first warning passage in chapter 2 in verse number 1. He says, take heed lest at any time you should let this slip. Now he begins to pick back up his argument in regards to the angels or that Christ is better than the angels in verse 5. He says he has not subjected the world to come or the age to come to angels. Now let me explain that. The world to come or the age to to come is talking about the age of the Messiah's rule. That age has not been subjected to angels. Well what does it mean? Well if it has not been subjected to angels then who was it subjected to? Now before I explain this I need you to get this in your spirit. Jesus is called the Son of God but he's also called the Son of Man. Now, when Jesus is called the Son of Man, it at least implies the humanity of Jesus Christ. Now, many of us appreciate the divinity of Jesus, but we don't always take time to appreciate the humanity of Jesus. Now, there are some things that his humanity accomplished that sometimes we're not privy to. Now let me help you see this. Jesus did not just save you from sin but he recovers what you lost. I don't think you, and I, 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 you got to get this in your spirit. If you miss this then you're going to miss the phrase son of man and its significance to the humanity of Jesus Christ. It is true that the phrase son of man it's also a messianic title, but there are contexts where the emphasis is on the humanity of Jesus Christ. Now, if you only see what he saved you from, then you don't see the full picture of grace. Grace is not just salvation from sin, but it's the recovery of what I lost in the Garden of Eden. Now, come here, let me show it to you. Now, uh, watch this. What the Hebrew writer is going to do is he's going to quote Psalms 8. When he quotes Psalms 8, Psalms 8 is a psalm of David. And is a picture of David going out, looking up, and looking at the created order. When David looked up, and he looked at the cosmic created order, And he looked at the sun and he looked at the stars and he looked at the totality of what he saw in God's created order. It led him to a question. He said, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him, now come here, in Hebrew, and when you're reading the book of Psalms, it has what you call synonymous parallelism. Now synonymous parallelism means that the, the phrase is restated in different words. So when he says, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him, man and son of man are being used interchangeably. Are you following that? So when he discusses uh, man, he is using man and son of man synonymously. Now, David says, when I looked at creation, it led me to a question, what is man in comparison to everything you created? watch it then he says "Yet yeah, you made him a little lower than the angels but then you did something for him that you didn't do for angels you crowned him with glory and with honor now david's looking back to how man was created in the garden when god made adam he made him in his image Now, there are certain things that go with the image. What goes with being the resemblance of God is functioning in the posture of dominion. Stay with me. When God made man, he made him with everything under his feet. Come here now. We're made in the image of God, but what goes with that image is that God made us in dominion to rule. Now watch this. He says you crowned him with glory and with honor and you put everything under his feet. You got that? All right, watch this. Then the Hebrew writer says, you made everything subject to him problem, yet we don't see everything under his feet. If you made him to have dominion, man is on earth what God is in heaven. God has dominion, and he made man to have dominion because man wears his image. Are y'all got that? Now, when God, because man wears his image, man functions in dominion, and everything was under his feet. What happened? When sin, when what God hates got in what he loves, then God had to send man out of his presence. Come here. He doesn't lose the image, but he lost the dominion. Yeah, I'm not ready, boy. So man is walking around the earth with an image without the stuff that goes with it. Now I know he still has the image because Genesis chapter nine, verse six, God says any man that kills a man, he is uh, to be punished because he is the image of God. Man never loses the image, but he did lose the dominion and the glory. So man in sin, not only is dead and separated from God, but he is also separated from his first state. Y'all not getting this? When God made you, he made you to rule. He made you to have dominion. And he made you with glory, and man functioned in absolute rule and dominion. But then when sin entered his life, God not only sent them out the garden, but he sent them out without glory and with no dominion. And man is trying to figure out who who am I? Come here. I want back what I lost. I don't only want to come out of sin, but I'd sure love to get my glory back and my dominion back. So I need to find somebody who will not only save me from sin, but will also get back the stuff that I lost because I need man to get back to his first state because as a man I'm more than what I am when I'm in sin what am I when I come out of sin I ought to be one that has dominion and has glory I need someone to rescue me I need somebody to get back what I lost I don't only want to come out of sin but I want to get back to my glory and get back to my dominion how will I get there but we see Jesus y'all are missing this I said we see Jesus Uh, who was made uh, if I could do it like a preacher who was made a little lower I wish I he was made a little lower than the angels Wait, watch the text crowned with glory and with honor, which means Jesus as man's representative in his incarnation he becomes a man he dies as a man, he's raised as a man he goes back to glory as a man and is sitting on the right hand of God as a man wait a minute, y'all not ready there's a glorified man in heaven sitting on the right hand of God who now represents me as one that has gotten back the glory and the dominion y'all are not seeing this thing i think the bible says there's one mediator between God and man watch it the man i said let me tell you who's up there there's a man that's up there that got back my glory, got back my dominion, and he's sitting on the right hand of God. Now, what you need, what you need, a, y'all all right? What you need a man up there for? I need somebody who can be touched. With the feeling of my infirmity. I need a man that can sympathize what I go through. I need somebody that can plead my case when I fall into a situation. I need a man that can understand what it is to be tempted at all points, yet without... Oh, I wish I had a church right now. Is there anybody in here that knows what it is to be tempted by sin? Thank God he sent a man to get back from me what I lost in the garden. Church. Church. There's... One mediator between God and man, the Anthropos. See, the mediator is Jesus in heaven on the right hand of God as a glorified man. Watch it now. So, in my midnight hour, when I'm by myself and nobody would answer the phone, and I need to fall down and pray. And I need God to forgive me for the stuff I did that you couldn't see. And I need God to come into my life with some forgiveness. I pray to a God of justice and a God of mercy. But before God renders a decision about what to do with me, he looks over at the man. And the man says, I've been there and I've done, I've lived a perfect life. But I understand what it is to go through what they go through. Aren't you glad when you pray there's a man on the other side of God that functions as your advocate that can say, I know what it is to go through a situation. I know what it is to feel the pressure of temptation. Thank God when I pray there's a man. Come here, look. Y'all got more time. Watch this. What? Watch this. I, I really, I really got two intercessors. I know I got Jesus, but I also got the Holy Spirit. And both of them function for different purposes. So when I get on my knees and pray, when I'm going through a situation I can't handle, when I don't know what to pray for, I got an intercessor. That comes down and says, I'll help you get this prayer up to God. But at the same time, when I need forgiveness, I got somebody else on the other side. I got two intercessors that will come and help me when I need help in my life. I've come today to tell you, I'm so glad that when nobody else wants to stand with me, I got the Father, I got the Son, and I got the Holy Spirit. Church, I got to close. But I needed a man. Church, let me leave you with this story. I'm I'm close and I'm done. I I, I want people to understand there's so little we appreciate about. I better not say that. See, we have such a strong affinity for ecclesiology that we have a low view of Christology put that in English Hayward we have put so much emphasis on church that we forgot to convert folk to Christ and when you convert folk to church then, then, then when the church start acting up and when folks start acting crazy, you'll leave the church. But if you really want to stay in the church, you need to be converted to Christ. Because when folks start acting crazy, you know Jesus is the same yesterday. He, y'all not going to help me along. You got to be careful. I'm not diminishing church. There's only one church. There's one body. But that church is built on the rock, Christ Jesus. And sometimes we don't know. We can identify the church, but not the work of Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, now I got to close this thing. Y'all preachers, sit down. Y'all tripping. The, the, what, the preachers back there ain't got no, y'all ain't got no sense. <laughs> oh, that's the dog pound over there, boy. I'm done. Listen to me. There's so much more I want to say, but when you read Hebrews 2 and you read verse 10, it says he's bringing folk back to glory. I lost glory, so he's bringing folk back to glory. I know what you lost, but I'm getting back what you lost because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I need to get it back. Christ said, I didn't just come to save you from sin, but I've come to bring you back to glory. I need you to come with me to glory. I'm glad Jesus didn't just leave me in sin. He didn't just save me from sin. He said, now let's go back to glory. Church, well... If I'm done, I I really am. The man Christ Jesus understands the frailty of my humanity. And I need a man who understands. Because he was willing to experience. Leave you with this story. My parents used to send me away to camp. Camp Wabanaki, upstate New York. And it's a camp that teaches you to swim. All the kids there could swim. I knew I couldn't. But I ain't want nobody to know. I couldn't swim because everybody else just looked like they knew what they were doing. That's dangerous. So at swim time, this was right off of a lake. They didn't have a pool they, they you just swam in a lake. But there was a deep part of the lake they let you swim in. All the kids jumped in. And when all the kids jumped in, I was the only one that at the time didn't. But because of my pride, and my ego I jumped in to the lake I started swimming but then I lost my strength and I didn't know how to tread water and I started going under and I was flailing my arms and the lifeguard standing at a distance saw me and he threw a buoy in the water for me to grab, but I wouldn't grab it because I was so caught up in trying to depend on my own strength because I thought my strength could get me out the situation and I started flailing my arms. The lifeguard realized well if he won't grab the buoy then I don't have a choice but to get in what he's in and come to his circumstance. And I'm gonna come near to him because I can't save him from a distance. I'm gonna have to come close to him. When he got close to me, I was still flailing my arms, but he had to wait until my strength was depleted. He had to wait until I realized I couldn't save myself. He had to wait until I realized my power was too low. And then finally, when I stopped flailing my arms, oh, he said, I want you to lean your weight back on me. Lean on my strength and I'll take you back where you belong. I've come today to tell you I serve a Jesus that got in my situation. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us and when I suddenly realized that I couldn't save myself, when I stopped trying to flare my arms, anybody know what it is to try to depend on your own righteousness? Anybody know what it is to try to depend on your own strength? When you stop flailing your arms, Jesus will say lean back on me and I'll take you back to where you belong. I wish I had two or three folk that could shout right now and say, thank you Jesus for not leaving me to my own strength. Thank you Jesus for not leaving me to my own righteousness. Thank you Jesus for saving me by grace and on your strength. God is a mighty good God. And if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight, I got to get an invitation if you're here tonight I'd hate to leave here and you ain't got a relationship with the man because if you don't have a relationship with the man then you don't understand the grace of almighty God can I give you one more thing Titus 3 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of Paraganesia, the word means to bring someone back to their former state. The washing of regeneration happens in the occasion of water baptism. When I get baptized and I come up out of the water, that was God taking me back to where I started. And I've come today to tell you if you want to get back to your innocence and you want to get back to where you started, You need the washing of regeneration. If you're here tonight, I want you to come and say yes. Having heard that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again. Believe it to be true. Repent of your sins, confess Christ, and then be baptized in water for the remission of sins. And at that moment, you will be a new creature in Christ on your way back to glory. I want you all to stand with me. All stand with me. I think somebody's ready to say yes to the master. But maybe you just need prayer. I need you to know God will hear your prayer. Because there's a man. A glorified man. On the right hand of God. One of the things that I find most amazing about Jesus is that he went back to heaven as a glorified still god man the hypostatic union still there but he goes back to heaven not so much as he was but he goes back now as a representative of me How much did he give up? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. But when he goes back to heaven, he goes back with humanity. How much did he give up so you could come back to glory? And now, right now, you can pray If you need prayer, I want you to come. Right now, you know you have an advocate who wears our humanity. He got dominion, glory, and a kingdom as a man.